Good morning. I'm so happy to be here with y'all and get to know you. Um, I, just give me one moment here. This is prompt my, uh, I brought my laptop today and it's doing something weird. Anyway, I want to just introduce myself for a moment so you can know who I am. Um, I am a covenant pastor. First of all, um, I always say I'm a child of God first because everything I do and who I am comes from that identity. Um, I have been serving in the Covenant Church since 1997, and most recently I um, was an interim pastor at New City Covenant Church in Edina, and in the last two years before that served other Covenant churches as an interim pastor. Um, the reason for that it was up until 19 or 2019, my husband and I lived in the Twin Cities where I was the associate pastor at Linwood Covenant Church. And then we moved to Otana for my husband Dan's job, and he's here with me this morning. He was joking around. He's like, I just come along for the ride, but we've had a, we've had a pretty good ride. We, um, we went to Red Wing yesterday and stayed at Maiden Rock Inn, so we've had a, we've had a good ride the last 24 hours of um, touring the countryside here. Um, so we went to Otana for Dan's job in 2019. He's a general manager at Otana Country Club. And um, in that time, I was given an opportunity to work in clinical mental health because I'm also a therapist. And so currently, I serve at Botere Recovery Institute in Otana, and I'm a therapist, and I work in a dual recovery facility for people that are seeking treatment for alcohol and drug addiction recovery. So that's what I do Monday through Friday, and then the last three years, I've been pastoring churches that need a, a pastor while they're searching for a pastor much like yours is. And so I will, I will be joining with you in prayer as you seek a pastor and, and the next person that's going to shepherd and um, encourage and guide your church as you seek God together. So I will join you in that. Um, so let's pray this morning as we start. Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, we worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you so much, Father, that we are your children. Thank you that our identity and who we are comes from that that identifying factor. I thank you for each person that is here and, and that you love them dearly and that you know them and, and you know all about them. Thank you, God, that us being known by you is so wonderful. And I pray, Father, for um, anyone here, Lord, who is struggling with um, just being reminded of that, that they belong to you and, and you love them unconditionally. Oh God, I pray that as we talk about what it means to persist in prayer today and, and to seek you and not give up, I pray, Father, for those who, who may be disheartened right now by things or circumstances in their lives. And Father, that we would continually turn to you and know we can trust you and that you are good. Thank you, God, for your word that is true and points us to you. And we love and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was thinking about what to, to bring to y'all this morning from God's Word, it, um, I looked to the lectionary. The lectionary is always a wonderful place to, to go to because you have this wonderful cycle over three years where you get to read the whole Bible um, almost in its, in its entirety. And this week's reading was about the, the widow who, per, who persists against the unrighteous judge. And, um, and I thought about how right now uh, we... We are needing to pray. We're needing to pray for so much in our world. We reminded, um, as as you all shared prayers and prayer, prayers and praises today, that there's um, a world out there, not just here but out farther, that needs God's help, um, that needs God's intervention, which 
needs his comfort um, and care. And so we have our greater world and then our, our smaller world here and in our communities as we have elections coming up and we have a lot of important things that we need God's intervention and help with. And then we have our families and our children and our children and their education and schools and then, and then we come to ourselves. And so this morning, my, my in, indeed sincere hope and prayer is that I encourage you as well as myself to not give up on prayer and, and to seek God in new ways and deeper ways as we come to him. So this morning, first of all, we're going to open up to God's word. And I invite you, first of all, to turn to Psalm 119. The thing I love about Psalm 119 is that there's a continual um, reminder to turn to God and to remember what he has done for us and through his power in our world and through history. And so, as you turn to 119, and it should be on the screen, hopefully, maybe. Psalm 119, 145 to 152. I'm gonna do two things. I'm gonna read from the NIV first, and then I'm gonna read from the paraphrased message second, because the Eugene Peterson's paraphrased um, you know, verse, verse on this, version on this, is, is, really, is really sweet and personal. So we'll read from the NIV first and then from the message. I call with all my heart, answer me, God, and I will obey your decrees. I call out to you, save me, and I will keep your statutes. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice in accordance with your love. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your laws. Those who devise wicked schemes are near, but they are far from your law. Yet you are near, Lord, and all your commands are true. Long ago I learned from your statutes that you established them to last forever. And then listen as I read from the message. I call out at the top of my lungs, God, answer, I'll do whatever you say. I called to you, save me so I can carry out all your instructions. I was up before sunrise, crying for help, hoping for a word from you. I stayed awake all night, prayerfully pondering your promise. In your love, listen to me. In your justice, God, keep me alive. As those, who, as those out to get me come closer and closer, they go farther and farther from the truth you reveal. But you're the closest of all to me, God, and all your judgments are true. I've known all along from the evidence of your words that you meant them to last forever. You know, as we pause there, I just want to encourage you as, um, as we read from God's word that, that he wants us to cry out to him and call to him with our whole heart. And sometimes that's really hard because we don't always understand what God is up to and, and where he's at work or, or where we're at in the process of the asking and the answer. But he, he reminds us, get up in the morning Get up in the morning and pray and seek him. Meditate on his promises. If you're awake through the watches of the night, like my husband and I were last night listening to the train go through all night long, <laughs> that, that, that inn is very close to the railroad. I just kept thinking, here comes another train again. And, I, and I, instead of complaining about the train, now I'm convicted. I should have been praying. That was maybe God's opportunity that he was giving me to, to practice what I'm preaching this morning, to pray. 
But as maybe there's those times in, in the watches of the night where you're, you wake up and something's bugging you. Something is nagging at you. Something that has been, maybe you've squashed and put away throughout the day comes back up. Take that time to pray as the psalmist advises. And be reminded that God is near. His commands are true and he is up to something. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 18. And we get to this wonderful parable that has a, it has a, a, a parallel to the parable also earlier in Scripture with the, uh, the friend who, who wakes the person up in the middle of the night asking for bread. But we're going to focus on the, the parable of the persistent widow this morning. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will, will he find faith on the earth? This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So this morning, as we look at this parable of this widow and the, and the unjust judge, there's a couple things, first of all, that, that come, come up to me. First of all, the widow represented those in our, in our culture and past cultures who are exploited, who are in need of defense, who are in need of care, and people to look after them and, and to um, advocate for them. And so this widow represents a lot of people in our world who are needing help, who are needing an answer. And then and the funny thing is, in this literal translation, um, you know, it's funny when we look at the literal trans, transliteration of the words or the phrases, um, this judge, it says, um, he says, he says, um, even though he refuses, finally he says to himself, and I'm sure she was persistent, she kept coming day after day after day, and he says, even though I don't fear God or care what other people think, this woman has literally come and in the, the actual translation is she, she's going to come and she's going to beat me down. And so we know people like that, don't we? We know the, the persistent people in our world. I thought about, um, I thought about our, my husband and I have four children and um, the, the terrible grocery store trips that used to happen. You know, of course, they put the candy right there in that aisle. Um, Walmart has it really clever now with those self-checks because the candy and the treats just snake around into a big S. And so if you're going with small children, you either have to have them buckled and strapped into that cart or, or you don't bring them because you are just going to get nailed going through that candy section. And they are going to wear you down and wear you down and wear you down until you, you either give in to the candy or you leave your cart and you go out and you, you do what all the parenting experts tell you is to, is to go and not give in to your children. So either you're going to be wore down by them like the, uh, like the judge and the widow, or you're going to give in to the candy. And this, and this wonderful parable that Jesus gives talks about, first of all, he says, you should always pray and not give up. He says this to us so that we can have maybe another way to think about it. 
And he talks about how is God slow to help them? No, he is not slow to help us. And we have a need for persistence in prayer. This is one of Jesus' sayings, too, that he quotes also in Matthew 11, 7, 11, and in Luke eleven thirteen. It's the how much more saying. How much more does God love us that he is going to listen to us and give us what we need, but it's also according to his will and his timeline and not ours. I don't know the things that you've been praying on or waiting on, but when we are in earnest prayer of something for someone or about a, a, a thing that's near and dear to our hearts, there is pain in that. I know for, for many years, I, mean, I grew up in a home, um, my dad is a farmer, and, um, and my dad, up until I was probably like 30 years old, did not know, did not know the love of God. And, and, um, and I prayed for so long that my dad would come to know God as his Lord and Savior and, and Jesus, and he would give his life to him. And when I was a little girl, um, our pastor, who was also my dad's friend, he told me something. He said, Carrie, I will always be your dad's friend, and I will always pray for him, and I know that God is going to save him. And those three things gave me a lot of hope because I knew there was somebody that was going to be in his life no matter what. There was somebody that was going to be praying for him and somebody that was going to see it through. And that gave me great confidence to pray for my dad. And it was such a wonderful gift when my dad told me that he had gone to, it was at North Heights Lutheran Church up in the Twin Cities and I got to see their, their passion play with his wife. And that was where my dad had prayed the prayer of confession and had given his life to Jesus. Now he's still kind of a, a crusty, crotchety person, but my dad loves Jesus. My dad told me when, when my husband and I got COVID this past August after our son's wedding, he, you know, we were, we were pretty sick, and my dad texted me, said, I am praying for you. And I thought to myself, as a 10-year-old girl, I would have never, ever, ever believed my dad would be telling me, I am praying for you. And that reminded me of God's promises in prayer. And I'm 47 years old. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that, yes, there is pain, as maybe you are waiting on something or or there's someone that you are waiting on God for. There is waiting. Oftentimes there is pleading of unanswered prayer and, and, and our cry goes up to God, how long? That is, a, that is seen throughout scripture, how long? And I want to encourage you, don't give up. Keep coming to the Lord just like that widow did to that unjust judge. But the good thing is our Father God is not that unjust judge. He is loving and he cares for us and he will answer us, just not in our ways always or our time. We do not have to, I want to encourage you from this passage, we do not have to know the why when we have to wait on God, but we do need to trust first that his love for us is always there. Just like those parents of us that have gone to the, the store and we know that getting all that candy for our kids is not going to be the right answer to give them at the moment when they want it. Instead, we're going to go home and give them some broccoli, a good, good slop of potatoes and some meat. So we'll, we might have to say no in those times because we know that there's something better. And same with God. He knows even those, those things that we may think that we want that's best for us, God says, no, 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 I have something way better for you. And you're going to have to wait for that. But you're going to be better for it. So we trust his love, that he's not unmerciful. And Jesus reminds us and that he's like the wonderful parent who will always give us just what we need because he loves us. Prayer requires patience. Um, this past week, I was working with one of my patients, and the thing that I've learned about um, addiction that's, that's so complicated is when people uh, find themselves um, addicted to a substance, um, one over another, the thing that, that is, is so difficult and fascinating is that there is this um, impatience that comes in with addiction. 
Um, if you've ever known anybody or, or you yourself have struggled with alcohol or drug addiction, that, that the, the substance creates uh, an impatience within us, and then people want that. And so there's a, a shorter and shorter timeline of, of having the substance and, and um, needing the substance again. And so that's where we, we get this complex um, relationship with instant gratification. And instant gratification mixed with impatience does not lead to good things. And so God tells us, make sure that you practice patience in prayer. Make sure that you don't look to me like a vending machine, that you push that button and you get what you need right away. God doesn't work that way. Sometimes he does, but usually he has a plan for us and we have to trust that plan. And so waiting is, is part of that, and we see that show up in this passage. Um, I want to encourage you. I was going to show some slides here. Thank you, Jeremy. Or Jeremy. I would kind of, Patrick looks like some, a youth group student I had in my life named Jeremy, so I'm really sorry I just called you Jeremy, but I've had that urge all day to call you Jeremy, and I finally did it. Um, so I want to remind you about a couple things. First of all, this word persistence, because this shows up in this passage, the persistent widow and persistence about, is about staying on a course of action in spite of difficulties or opposition. And so as you think about the things that you're praying on, the things that you're waiting on God for, think about this, that no matter what is going on that could present as a difficulty or as an opposition, God wants us to be persistent in prayer and to keep asking him no matter what. You can go to the next one, Patrick. And what is persistent prayer? Um, Another pastor was blogging about this, and he said, persistent prayer is prayer that doesn't give up. It's praying for something until God either answers our prayer or he tells us to stop praying. I don't think that God has ever told me to stop praying yet, but I thought about that. I'm like, I'm going to be wondering about that one if the Lord's going to say, stop praying on that one. Persistent prayer is standing in faith that God will answer your prayer. It never stops until it receives God's answer. Persistent prayer, and I want to share three things to encourage you um, about persistent prayer. And persistent prayer, first of all, honors God. It's when we, um, we look to our Father God and we know that we will honor him by confessing that he is our supply and he will answer our prayer on his timetable. Persistent prayer is a statement of faith that my loving God will answer my prayer. And so I think as we start our prayers, um, it really it should be God. I, maybe it's to say, God, I first of all, honor you. I know that you are in charge of this whole world, that you are bigger and greater than anything that I could even ask or imagine. And so I'm going to first honor you as I start praying. Persistent prayer also reveals our commitment. You know, persistent prayer is when we're committed to continually asking God until he answers, not until maybe we connive or find a way around it, but until he answers. It means I will not give up. I will not quit. I will not try other things. I will bring my prayer to God every day until he answers. You know, in the, in the story of the, the widow, I caught that, that she's a model to us of keep going to the judge. She doesn't try to get around the judge. She says, I know the one who's going to give me my answer. I know the one who's going to provide the course of, of action that I need to give me justice, and she keeps coming to him. She doesn't try to go to his, his secretary. She doesn't go try to write an op-ed in the newspaper. She doesn't try to go do something. Um, she doesn't go to social media and, and you know, disparage whatever it is she needs. She goes right to the judge. She goes to the person, the source, that she knows that can make change for her. And so I keep thinking about, about God. He is the one who is going to give us the answer and and 
and answer our prayer. And persistent prayer breaks the resistance. This is really important. When you pray, you turn loose the power of heaven in your life. And then this is the other part. Prayer also releases the storms of hell against your prayer. You know, I think those are the things that we forget about is that, first of all, when we pray and we pray in Jesus' name, we agree with, we agree with God. We agree with his will, his plan. That's why um, our, our Father is so important. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Even praying that, we're saying, we agree, we want your will done. And so we, we unleash the power of heaven when we agree with God and we go to him and, and we let him do his work and we don't try to get in the way. But there's also, the, this is also this important thing that when we also start praying, there is going to be opposition because we obviously know that, that the enemy, Satan, does not want to see God's will done in, in the lives of people. He wants to see his plans be accomplished, and, and we all know how his plans go. They don't go very well, and they hurt us and, and kill and destroy. And so you think about that. When we agree with God and we go for him, we go his way, we, we let loose his power. And, and it's beautiful and amazing when we think of how he works. Um, I found a quote here, and I, I was just going to encourage you with this, that persistent prayer is perhaps the weapon our enemy Satan fears the most. This is why he will try and discourage us to keep praying if we don't see a breakthrough right away. And that's where I felt the most convicted for you all this morning was that if, if any of you are experiencing any discouragement, maybe it's a family member you're praying for, maybe it's, it's your marriage, maybe it's your grandchildren, uh, maybe it's you know, our world, this drought, some rain. Um, it's the situation in, in the Middle East, the situation in Ukraine and in Russia. Whatever it is, you know, the devil is going to try to discourage us and, and, and make us feel like nothing's, nothing's moving, nothing's happening. Where is God? But I want to encourage you that prayer, persistent prayer, the devil will fear most because we are going to God and we are trusting in him. And that's an incredible truth. This is said of George Mueller. I'm going to share a little bit about George Mueller with you in a second. But he said this, The great fault of the children of God is they do not continue in prayer. They do not go on praying. They do not persevere. And persevere and persistence are, are two related words. It, it means don't stop, don't quit, keep going. And I want to tell you about George Mueller if you didn't know about him. Um, this is an important story of, of who was George Mueller. First of all, George Mueller was not always a person of great faith and good character. He was a young boy that grew up in Germany in the early 1800s, and, and he stole, he was disobedient to his parents, he got caught sneaking out of a hotel twice without paying for a room. I like that that's on his record, boy. The internet will tell you everything. Um, one time he was caught by the police and put in jail as a Bible college student. George loved going to bars, drinking, gambling, and being the life of the party. And he also loved making fun of people, especially Christians. And then something happened to George Mueller, and God changed his life. He, um, one day he was invited to go to an off-campus Bible study, and he went only because he wanted to make fun of the Christians that were there. But to his surprise, he liked the Bible study. God drew him in through his word. And for the first time, he saw people who really knew and loved God. He started attending every evening, and before the end of the week, he knelt at his bed asking God to forgive him for his sins. It says George's friends saw a change in him. He no, longer, he no longer frequented the bars or made fun of people. He spent more time reading his Bible, talking about God, and going to church. And soon his friends did not want to be around him anymore, the friends that were the carousing friends. 
And so George felt this call to go and be a missionary. When he told his father, his father became very upset because his father wanted him to have a high-paying job and not be a poor missionary. And so he told George that he would not give him any more money for school, and he cut George off. And then something really important happened. On, on faith, on trusting God, George went back to college without knowing how he was going to pay for his tuition. And this part of the story is so awesome because this is how George started to see how God was at work in his life and that God was trustworthy and that prayer was powerful. So he did something he thought a bit silly for a grown man to do when he got to college and didn't know how he was going to pay for his tuition. He got on his knees and he asked God to provide. To his surprise, an hour later, a professor knocked on his door. He offered George a job for tutoring. George was amazed. This was the beginning of George Mueller's dependence on God. After finishing college, George went to begin his missionary work in London. And he ended up through a bunch of, a bunch of events not being able to do what he wanted to do. And so he started um, serving in a church. And the most important thing that happened was he felt a call to serve the poor and the, and the orphans in, in the community of, of England. And so he opened up many orphanages. It says that there was 10,000 children that came and went throughout George Mueller's orphanages. He had a tender heart toward children. And so this important story is told that, that just shows how God works. It says, one morning, the children were dressed and ready for school, but there was no food for them to eat the house mother of the orphanage, tells George Mueller. So George asked her to take the 300 children. I thought about that. 300 children. Just imagine 300 children in this room, hungry and expecting something for breakfast. And he has them sit at the tables. He thanked God for the food and waited. George knew God would provide food for the children as he always did. And within minutes, a knock comes out the door. And it's a baker. And he said, Mr. Mueller... Last night, I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and baked three batches for you. I will bring it in. I bet George Mueller smiled and said, Thank you, Lord. That was a quick answer. I bet he was glad, too, because 300 children would be awfully hungry and noisy about not having breakfast. Soon there was another knock at the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. The milk would be spoiled by the time the wheel was fixed. He asked George if he could use some milk. George smiled as the milkman brought in 10 large cans of milk. It was just enough for the 300 thirsty children. You know, I want to remind you that, that the God that does things like that back in the early 1800s is still the God who is doing those things today as we seek him. And we come to him and, and, we, and we do the things that maybe we think are silly at times, but they're very humble as we get on our knees. And we, and we just... First of all, we praise God and, and we tell him who he is and how awesome he is, but then we also say, God, I also know that you are the one who can do more than I can ask or imagine, and I trust you, and I'm going to wait to see what you are going to do. That is the God we serve. Some passages for you to look up on your own this week, just to be reminded of how God is at work in our world and, and how he's been at work in, in history was, first of all, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were old, and, and they, they wanted to have children, and it says in, in God's word that they were childless. And I wonder, too, at a certain point, did they stop praying that prayer because they're like, well, she's probably like, I am past menopause, you are past anything, too, there's not going to be any children. And then this wonderful surprise happens, and God gives them children, gives them a child, John the Baptist, who was to fulfill a very important part for God in, in the preparing of people for Jesus Christ. 
And so God answered prayer in a very specific and particular way. And it was a way that they had to wait. And I'm sure that waiting was painful and hard. But our God is so good, and he has a plan. In Luke chapter 2, we have Anna the prophetess who who meets Jesus, and it says in in God's word that that she waited and waited and trusted God that she was going to see the Messiah before she died. That was a prayer of waiting that she got to see answered. Go back to Daniel 10 and be reminded how Daniel is praying and asking God, and then he, he gets this angelic visitation of an angel saying, God heard your prayer, but there was a battle going on, and, and I had to fight the battle, but here I am to tell you that God is at work on your behalf. Church, I want to remind you that our God is at work in our lives, and he is doing something, and trust him. Trust him in the waiting. Here's some other scriptures to encourage you. In Ephesians 6.18, it says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Be reminded this week of all the people that you know throughout this world that need your prayers and ask God to show you who to pray for this week. Romans 8.26 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. If there's something that's on your heart that maybe you don't have words for, just cry out to him. Know that he hears you, that he'll direct your thoughts in in your words. Philippians 4, 6 reminds us, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Um, A wonderful truth that I, I teach people every week in the group therapy classes I teach is that you cannot be anxious and grateful at the same time. Gratitude actually drives out anxiety, and so I, I, it, it's true, your brain can't hold both at once. So if you feel anxious, start praising God. Express your gratitude to him in the moment for what you have, what's all around you, what you see, and that is a wonderful way to pray. And then in Colossians 4, 2, be persistent in prayer and keep alert as you pray, giving thanks to God. Be watchful and, and paying attention to how God is at work in your life and what he is doing, and, and be persistent as you do that. So I I invite you to to pray this prayer with me out loud, if if you will, this morning as we close um, together. God, thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for being persistent in pursuing me. Thank you for being persistent in your love that went to the cross for me and this world. I give you the following people in situations. Teach me to pray and not give up until you answer or tell me to stop. I love you, praise you, and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. May you, may you persist in prayer this week. May you persist in trusting God that he's at work, he's doing something, and he will answer according to his great love for you and his best for you. Amen.